Welcome to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Price. With my 25 years of divorce and empowerment coaching experience, I know that divorce is a difficult and emotional journey. I also know from personal experience that it can be a time of growth and transformation. Through this podcast, you'll gain valuable insights on all aspects of divorce, from the logistical and financial to the emotional and legal. My goal is to empower you to confidently move forward in your divorce journey, avoid common mistakes, and ultimately create a happy and fulfilling life. With expert guests, practical advice, actionable tips, and inspiring conversations, we'll explore how to master your divorce and emerge stronger on the other side. You don't have to face this alone. Let's start this journey together and create a better future for you. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited about our episode today. I have a fabulous expert to share with you her story and her advice to help you on your divorce journey. Whether you are a soon-to-be separated, separated, divorcing, divorced woman, or even listening for a friend, this podcast was created for you. My guest today is Tracy Malone, and she's going to talk with me about the top mistakes people make in divorcing a narcissist. Tracy is the author of Divorcing Your Narcissist. You can't make this blank up. Shit up, excuse me. <laughs> Tracy is a divorce coach specializing in narcissistic abuse divorces the founder of NarcissisticAbuseSupport.com. Tracy's coaching clients from all over the world listen to her words. And you can listen to her podcast or visit her on YouTube. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It's great to have you here. I'm so excited to be here, Beverly. Um, and it is great to be here and help, you know, talk about narcissistic divorces. Absolutely. And that seems to be such an absolutely hot topic. Almost every client and potential client I talk to says she's married to a narcissist. So I pulled up some numbers and it said about 7.7% of males and about 4.8% of females are narcissists. So sometimes you've got a narcissist and sometimes you have a plain old self-centered person. So how do you decide or how do you advise your clients if they're dealing with a sure thing narcissist versus somebody that's just pretty selfish in their divorce? Well, um, again, none of us are going to be qualified to diagnose a narcissist that okay. someone comes on our screen with because we're not treating said person. And right. it takes a very skilled psychologist years to be able to diagnose them if they wanted to go do that work. Um, what I say is the validation of what the people are reading or looking at and going, oh my God, that's my life. We don't need to know. I, I literally have True. a rubber stamp that says narcissist on it. 
and we don't need to diagnose them. We need to treat you for what is going on with you, help you through the Beautiful. process with the assumption that if they're a narcissist, they'll do A, B, and C, and we're going to get confirmation because they'll go all the way to you know the end of the alphabet by the time they're done. So it's just their behaviors that we work with and, and we give them guidance to help to know how to handle it. Beautiful. So it sounds like you're focused on how the woman recovers <clears throat> and how the woman deals with it rather than being consumed by labeling somebody a narcissist. I think so, because again, we're, we can, we can talk as if we know, because they're pretty confident about it. And if they say they're X, Y, Z, then I'm not going to debate them. I'm going to be, I'll validate what you're experiencing. I'll even validate what's common and what you're saying does happen with most narcissists, right? That gives them hope that they finally got someone to say it. And again, I'm not putting that rubber stamp on the narcissist. Right, exactly. I am just like enlightening them to, hey, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a swan, it might be a narcissist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So in the divorce process, how are narcissists different than let's say divorcing a non-narcissist? Yeah, then, and that's the thing. I don't have much experience with the non-narcissist. <laughs> Right. But I, I certainly know they're out there. I've had plenty of friends that have had normal, as you would call them, divorces. Um, but a narcissist is a very fragile, eagle person, right? They, they, they get wounded very easily. And even if the divorce was their idea, they can't let anyone know that it was their idea. So they hide in this cloak of, of victimhood, right? Most people in the in, in a normal divorce is, hey, you know, we grew apart. It, it's we just don't like it. The same things. It's fine. A narcissist makes you become the enemy. Like, I'm not talking just like a divorce enemy. You are like target number one. You're a villain that they have to, like in a video game, get you down, right? They, they deploy black and white thinking, which is another sign of the narcissistic behaviors is that everything, all the years that you had together are gone. They don't consider them anymore. Black and white thinking is either you're all good or you're all evil. And so when the divorce happens, whether it's their idea or yours, they get this injury and they deploy black and white thinking, which puts you into like the most confusing part. Like we've been married for 49 years and suddenly um, I'm the enemy. I've been a terrible wife for all these years. They have to amp it up. They have to make you worse than you could have possibly ever been because that makes them a hero, right? Um, to, to the narcissist, divorce is a game. It's one of the first lines of my book. Um, it's a stage for them to play the victim and to portray you as the villain and everything comes out of that place. Gotcha, gotcha. So I would think another outcome of that could be women that feel terrible about themselves after oh. being, you know, after being on the receiving end of that. They, they lose they lose themselves they lose their self-esteem they they get into fight mode um, they freeze you know their life is just frozen they don't know how to to answer these kind of accusations they don't know how to fight um, so you've got this fight mode where we've got the people with a little detective hat on like looking up every single thing and tracking all the lies and that's another mind-blowing moment is to find out that they've been having a second life or that they've been hiding assets or whatever it is 
it's just their mind is completely blown and they go into that fight flight or freeze and and they they that's the narcissist goal the narcissist goal is to throw so much stuff at you that you freeze because you can't defend yourself if you're frozen yeah <laughs> you're, you're also, so busy yeah yeah i read something that said that divorcing a narcissist on average can take 8 to 10 years because they like to fight well, yeah, and that, that that can happen. Let's just make that really clear for people not to panic them because that's the rare. That's the one percenters. Okay. And I can tell you that the one percenters that we're talking about in that, you know, horrific, long, lengthy thing are very wealthy. You can't have an eight-year divorce without $5 million. Gotcha. I mean, you have to be able to fight it. And I have, do, I have friends and clients, five, six years they've been in, one to $5 million in their legal bills. But that's because they're fighting someone who has a lot of money and they want to fight back, right? Gotcha. So yeah. to kind of dig into that a little bit deeper, you mentioned rich and poor narcissists in your book. Can you tell us a little more about that? Absolutely. So it, it's a different divorce and that's what people need to understand. Um, there's a sense of entitlement that we know narcissists have. And so when they are poor, and I'm not saying poor, poor, but you make more than them. Maybe the house was in your name or something like that. Then they believe everything is theirs ah. and they fight for your money. They are fight to take it away. Um, and they will, you know, try to take your kids away, even though they don't want custody, just so they get more money. I mean, it's like this ah. game of crazy, right? The rich one, however, is the one who has all the money in the world. And they're the ones who, who outspend their partner you know, just gotcha. destroy them in court and stop all the money coming to them so that they can't live. They're, they're homeless, if you would, in many cases. Um, you know, there's so many things that the rich narcissist does that are just the most cruel and horrible things. And that often, you know, means this is, again, not part of a normal divorce, but they, they often, um, you know, call social services. They accuse you of being crazy. They have people committed. They have people arrested just so that they can get into the courtroom and say, see, she's a criminal. See, she's crazy. Look, I've had to deal with this all this time when they've created this false situation, set it up in most cases. And then the person either has, I've had one lady with like 40 um, child protective services calls and she's like an amazing woman and a great mom. And so it's just, it takes away everything about you that you hold dear. Wow. That's yeah. just, it, it seems like a total nightmare. It is. It is a nightmare. And, and I don't think there's a single person, even if you have like a, a mediation and it gets settled, it's still the longest mediation in your town's history because it's it's the lack of cooperation, the obstruction of justice, the never giving disclosure, the hiding of accounts, the, the, the tactics that they will use even in a nice, like a simple divorce, like with a mediation. Um, do you, what are your thoughts on mediation versus litigation with a narcissist? <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> never, 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 never go into mediation unless you know everything that's on the table. That's the number one thing I see as a mistake is, you know, oh, he said he'd give me $50,000 and it seems like a good deal. So I'll take it. I'm like, well, what do the financials say? Well, he never gave us any. 
hello, we can't go into mediation unless we know without a doubt, not even just, okay, that's what I think. But you look at those statements. Did they deposit money at Edward Jones? Where's the Edward Jones statements? How much is in there? You need to know everything in mediation. Um, and then another problem in mediation is not going there with an offer. Uh, because a lot of times you'll spend eight hours just to get to an offer. But if you walk in going, here's where we start. This is what I want to negotiate up. I don't want to do this. You are spending your time more wisely because you're actually digging at something that like you're just picking at it to go, this is what we want. This is how we go up or down. If you don't walk in there with an offer in your hand, whether it's your offer or their offer, better if it's theirs or the one with the money, um, then you're going to end up just there for, you know, I've had people with $40,000 one day mediations, $40,000 and nothing got settled, right? But if you are forced to be there, some states make you go regardless, right? If you're forced and they're absolutely dead set on not talking about financials, not budging an inch, then you use that time wisely if you've got kids and you use the mediator to try to nail down some of the parenting stuff. Gotcha. So it sounds like I've heard, you know, some people talk about they prefer a mediator who um, and then an attorney for them because the mediator tends to be that neutral party for both. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then to have people on their team, whether it's a coach, a financial analyst, um, and an attorney as well, so that they are looking out for themselves. Absolutely. You should always have an attorney, you know, make sure they look at it before you sign anything. Absolutely. Because if you are being hoodwinked, and I'm not saying the mediator's doing it, the narcissist is conning the mediator. Right? That's all we have. There's no more money. I don't know what you're talking about, right? It's that kind of um, persuasion that you just don't know. Did I get a good deal? I don't even know, right? So important for you to have someone review it. Um, do many attorneys and mediators and judges understand narcissism? No. Oh. Most of them don't. What they do understand is the behaviors, right? Okay. So that is one of the, the biggest things is we have to tell our story differently in court to our lawyers, to the judges, to not be like, he's a narcissist, he's a sociopath, he did this, he did that, she did, you know, whatever it is, we, we can't be running that. But if it's a specific thing that this happened, the money's missing, this, you know, we come to them with the actions because that's how judges and lawyers know. Now, lawyers do understand high conflict divorce. That's their label for someone who's a narcissist, right? So um, if you can come into it, and again, you don't have a, a, a you know, a, a certificate saying they are a narcissist. So when you're spouting off all the things that they're doing and there'll be thousands, you're going to sound like the crazy one because yeah. they come out so calm and cool. And, you know, even with a GAL or a parent coordinator, they'll be all calm and you're like, oh my God, they just did this. And you sound like the crazy one and you get your kids taken away because of that. Wow. Okay. Because a narcissist can make you feel crazy. They can make you feel crazy and you actually like, you don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. You don't know what's up. You don't know what's down. Everything that you knew, like your years together become meaningless, right? Your children become their possessions. You know, 
you know, every emotional connection you had is gone. And, and your dreams that you planned were just illusions and your life has been erased. And now you have to fight for your life. It's crazy. And it just puts people into such a spin that it's really hard to just get off of that roller coaster and get back into fighting for yourself. Wow. So how do you protect yourself from legal and financial abuse with a narcissist? Well, I have something that I think is brilliant in my book. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I um, found out. And let's out say about... the name one more time of your book. So it is Divorcing Your Narcissist. You can't make this shit up. Okay. Um, but it is, um, it, it, what I call it is the what if they don't clause, right? So first of all, everything that you protect yourself with before that clause comes along is everything has to be bookended. You know, a normal divorce decree or parenting plan says, you get the kids Christmas this year, I get them next year. Oh, how nice, right? But a narcissist, if you don't have Christmas starts at 9 a.m. and ends the next day at 9 a.m., they will keep them. I have an example in my book for two weeks and never, you know, never return them, but it doesn't say. So you have no legal standing. So getting things in there that are so detailed and so like, this is what we're doing in this situation. You, you pack it in there and they're not going to like this, but it's pay now or pay later. Exactly. If you don't yeah. do it now. You're going to be back in court and that's going to cost you 20 grand. Um, this clause that I'm talking about this in my book, I call it the, what if they don't clause? And it was, came to me and this book because I was in a contempt of court hearing with a client and it had been two years since she divorced her, her narcissist. And I was there with her and the lawyer and the judge said, sir, you've got to pay $300,000 and you've got 30 days to do it. And he's like, well, she's like, what will happen to me? And she goes, you're going to go to jail, sir. And he actually stood up and asked the judge, he was representing himself well, how long will I go to jail for? And she was like, really? You're going to go to jail for life if you don't give her the money. And so then she obviously was now in a position where she won the money. So her lawyer stood up and said, excuse me, but my client just spent $20,000 in two years, motions to compel, motions to comply, motions of contempt, one, two, five, six, and now we're finally in court. Why should she pay $20,000 for him to do what you ordered him to do, judge? Please, can we get our fees? And the judge put her hands together and said, I would love to, but it wasn't in the first decree. And I went out in the hallway. What should have been in there? What could have we had had? What, what is that option? And it's basically a, a very simple line and not a lot of lawyers do it, but the really rich ones, the ones that serve and my clients have $50,000, you know, plans at the end, they get it. It's a protection that says the normal line, you know, how, both parties will pay for their legal fee kind of line. But in the event that either party doesn't comply with the stuff above, they'll pay the legal fees for the, the party. Oh, yes. Great. That's protection Great because, point. again, they're not going to keep suing you and bringing you back because the kid had a hole in their sock um, if they've got to pay the legal fees. So that is a huge protection. And, and it says if either party, so technically if you were to break it, they would also have the same protection. Gotcha. Wow. That's a great idea. You've yeah. talked about some of the tactics that a narcissist mm. employs. Are there others that women should be on the lookout for? 
Well, I think there's categories of them, right? If okay. you think about it, like, I mean, if it's money, they, they're going to hide money and they're going to close your credit cards or they're going to open credit cards and rung up your credit. So pull your credit report several times during the divorce just to make sure they didn't do anything like that. Um, they'll drain the equity in your house mm -hmm. and you won't even know that there's a home equity line on the house that you took out a month before they filed. And all of a sudden there's no equity. So if you even sold it, that's an, a mutual debt. You get nothing. So they do these tactics and they, they start to line this stuff up. Um, but you know, some of the things that are, are heartbreaking are the lies and the schmears, right? You're crazy. Um, they'll tell the children, your mother is breaking up our family. She doesn't love us anymore. And you know, they will call you a drug addict, an alcoholic. They will turn and get your family on their side. Um, my ex went to my little sister and she was going to testify for money um, against me because she knew what I was doing and she knew my, my divorce plan. So they tapped into her and she was going to be a witness. Um, but just when they call you an alcoholic, they call you bipolar, they call you a bad mother. Like you've been the stay at home mom and everything was amazing. And suddenly you're defending every single thing and every decision you've made. And, it, and it's a scary place, right? They stalk people. They, they, you know, they do things like turn off the power in your room. If you're living in the basement, they stalk your phone. They know your texts. They hack into your email. They know what you and your lawyer are planning so that they can get an advantage. So when these things, and that's what this whole book is about, this could happen. And here's what you do, right? You change this. You change the locks when they leave. You um, get a camera in there. You do a lot of those sort of things to protect yourself um, against that kind of false allegation and even arrests. I've had, God, so many people that have been arrested by their narcissist. You can't make that shit up. It is a horrible thing. And you're like, I just want to get a divorce. Just leave me alone. Why are you doing this? But they just need to, because if we go back to that first statement, they need to be the victim and you need to be the villain. Gotcha. Ooh. I know. You can't make this up. I told you. Yeah. I also heard, um, going back to the financial, uh, <clears throat> a client of mine um, that I was talking to after her divorce was complete, discovered that her husband had cashed out an IRA mm -hmm. and didn't disclose it. And because mm -hmm. they were separated, she was responsible for half of the tax impact, which was like $40,000. And um, and so she's actually trying to go to court to show that he didn't disclose it and that kind of thing, so. Right, which is again, another, just it's just another chapter in the divorce, right? That's gonna cost her 40 grand to just like get out of that. There is something called an innocent spouse clause, which has to do with taxes. Do you know what that is? No, let's talk to the audience about it. Sure. So an innocent spouse clause is something that your lawyer can assert to the IRS that said she had no knowledge of this and then therefore you can get out of it. So it, it is something that that particular clause is something that would help her in this situation. Excellent. Because again, taxes are not above them um, to, right. to mess with something as legal as that because it's, it's a responsibility and they know they did it right before the divorce so that you would be liable later. It's the same thing about clearing out the bank accounts and all of the things that we might see. Um, those are what they do. Wow.
So what are, what are some of the biggest mistakes that someone would make when divorcing a narcissist? Well, first of all, calling them a narcissist. <laughs> when you do that, they, the, the, the game is over, right? Then they are the, 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 the hair on the back of their neck. They get more evil. They get more vindictive. The gig is up for them and they use it as, as a, okay, I, I don't, there's no whole bars here. I don't have to pretend I'm going to be eviler. That's what they do, right? So don't call them that. But I think a lot of people get stuck. And, and, I, and I was saying this on another interview this weekend, depends on if you were the dumpy or the dumper. Like if you were in charge and decided to get the, the divorce, then you have all the power. You have, you've known about it. You can prepare, you can hide money, you can hire the right team. You're, you have the, the money and the wherewithal. You can't be the dumper if you don't have money, right? right. You can, but you're not gonna have the power, right? If you can get away and you have your own place and you can be safe, then that works, right? If you are the one that got blindsided and you know, you're just like shell-shocked, then you might have magical thinking. You might go, oh, but they say, you know, they'll take care of me and everything's going to be okay and they won't do anything. I can have the house. You know, they'll tell you all these things. They'll tell you what you want to hear. But believing in that is always a Trojan horse. It's always a Trojan horse. I'll go to therapy. You know, we'll work on this. And while you go to therapy, you're sitting in their dreamland going, oh, we're making up. Okay, great. While you're in therapy, that's when they're hiding all the assets and opening those home equity loans and taking out, you know, retirement and, and draining things for you. So it's really careful to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, I think people make this mistake is walking away from everything just say, you know what? You keep it. I'm good. I've heard so yeah. many women say that. I give up. I'm worn out. Take it. Mm -hmm. Take it all. But it doesn't. It doesn't make them go away. Right. They want more. They've got this insatiable appetite to get you. So mm. even if you say that, they'll do it through the kids. They'll do it through other things. It's it. It doesn't ever work to walk away from anything. What does work is in your negotiation is asking for more than you actually want you know they're like oh i'd be happy with this and i'm holding up my hand for those on the podcast like right in the middle 50 percent, i'd be happy with that but you're going to get lower than that right it's if you start off at 60 percent, you're going to hit back down to your 50 line and that's going to be a much better and safer place for you so it's not having the things that you can wiggle room on if you would call it and like this is this is a negotiation right this is something that we can do and and i think the last thing is is not planning for the future with the children and the gray areas of of all the the things again people are just like okay christmas this year christmas next year it wasn't worth the fight again pay now pay later you're going to fight over every detail if you don't nail it down while you've got the legal team in place yeah, I think your phrase pay now versus pay later is absolutely on target. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tracy, I like to ask my guests for three takeaways, three action steps that women in our audience can take now to help deal with their situation, their divorce situation with a narcissist. What would you suggest to them? Um, education. 
You know, it's not just about learning about uh, what a narcissist is because they get stuck in that loop of watching YouTubes. Oh, they ruin vacations. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're, you're sitting there. You're ruminating. You're not on the focus wagon. Put that same lens onto educating yourself about them in divorce and recovery from divorce. Start your, your recovery sooner, right? Understand what is capable or, or, or possible. Sorry about that. Understand what could happen so that you can have a plan. Because again, fear is going to be your enemy and they are going to know how to make you so afraid that you can't get out of bed for a month, right? So if you have the tools to, to really see this, that, oh, that's just gaslighting. Of course, they're going to gaslight me. And, and knowing when to fight what accusations. Again, I had a $100,000 divorce and we were fighting over 25 because I fought every single accusation. I'm a thief. Let me fight that for a hundred thousand. Can I take a, you know, a this for 20,000? Can I have another? I just fought and fought. I'm not a bad parent. I fought for every single thing because they were attacking my integrity. They were attacking everything I hold true. And that costs a lot of money. The lawyers need to say, that won't matter. I don't care if they, you know, just bought themselves or they bought the kid a ski do and spent 20 grand. It won't matter. It'll add up in the end and it will be part of the package. But fighting every single accusation, every single thing is not what you need. What you need is someone like you or I to guide them and go, that matters. We fight like hell for the kids stuff, but we're not going to fight for this. We're not going to do that. Let that ride because there'll be another one tomorrow and we pick our battles the right way. Those are the biggest takeaway is don't give up hope because it is going to be a, a really, really bad time. But if you have the support team, you will know when to react and how to control your triggers and your emotions so that you can actually do a better, like you can be more present to get this over with. It sounds like you have personal experience in this. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, I, I divorced my narcissistic husband 10 years ago this month, which is woo, an anniversary. <laughs> we'll celebrate. Uh, thank you. Um, and so it was called the most tortured divorce in our town's history. He was in contempt six out of our seven trials. Again, we are talking about 25,000 for me, 25,000 for him. That's it. Split it. Go home. It's not your kid. There's nothing to fight over. And yet we had seven trials. And so I never understood what was going on throughout the whole thing. My lawyer, I had a therapist at that point for five years and he never said the word. And I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, why are they attacking me? I don't understand. And it was all because of this. It was, it was this need to make me into the bad guy. So that was my experience, and uh, I still didn't know it till a couple years later, and that's when I learned about it and went, oh, that's why. And then I went, why me? And then I was like, oh my gosh, it was my mother, my father, both my sisters. I mean, I've been surrounded. It was normalized for me to date and be married to someone like that because ghosting was our family vacation. So if a guy did it, oh, they'll be back next week. It was normal, and that's what happens with most victims of narcissistic abuse. There's some kind of paper trail of family or other relationships that made you not think you were getting what you were getting, right? Wow. So Tracy, how can our listeners find you and your book? 
Sure. So my book is on Barnes and Noble. It's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. It's on Audible. Um, you can find it pretty much anywhere. Um, I, you, you, my website is NarcissistAbuseSupport.com, not narcissistic. Um, so it is, it is um, out there. It's got all of the resource and that will lead you to my Instagram, to my Pinterest, to my YouTube channel, to my podcasts. Um, and, and there's about 700 pages of resources, including specific sections. If you can't afford a legal lawyer, here's every legal aid in every single state. Wow. If you can't afford <clears throat> counseling, here's the DV counselors for every single state. So go and check out those resources because I build them all weekend long so that people can go, okay, that's good. I now know what I'm up against and I can fight because I'm not blindsided. Wow. Wonderful. So is there anything else we haven't covered that you'd like to touch on before we say goodbye? Sure. Well, it's important to know that people forget this part. The amount of drama that you're seeing in this divorce is exactly the amount of drama you're going to see if you're co-parenting. Right. And that part can be fixed and alleviated by making that really solid parenting plan and think about every situation, because I can't tell you the thousands of clients that come to me and go, he won't pay for braces or, you know, the kids school uniforms or I don't have any money. And, you know, and if you laid it out, who's responsible for everything? right up front and I, and I use this analogy to people um again the the pay now or pay later concept i say how much did you spend on your wedding dress i could say five thousand dollars for mine how often did you wear it one day would you spend five thousand dollars to ensure peace for the next 18 years that's what people have to think through because we got in here with a big ass party and a big wedding that cost a lot of money it's sad that we have to spend as much money to get out, but if you equate it to the throwing away of that dress or sticking it in your closet for 400 years to all those years of peace because we took the time now to map that stuff out so that we don't have the problem when the kid needs braces. Oh, we thought of that. This is what we're going to do. We're going to split it. That person makes more money. They get 60. I get 40. We'll do it, right? You're not fighting over every single thing. And with a narcissist, you will be back in courts. I have people that have been divorced for 15 years in my groups and they are still fighting a battle every single month, 15 years because the kids aren't aged out. Wow. And what about for somebody that doesn't have kids? Is there, are there still implications after the divorce of the narcissist? You know, there can be a lot of, a lot of the things, again, we get into that gray area with my, my little clause there is if they don't, um, like say, again, like the, the woman in the example I used, sell the house, give her 300,000, but it took her two years to chase him, right? And then there's other things that are not filling out proper tax forms, not dividing things, not giving you that retirement money you were supposed to get, right? There's all kinds of ways that they continue to abuse. It's not as much as when you've got kids, because that's almost like a, a death sentence. I, I, I made a meme on Instagram recently. I'm like, it's an 18 year death sentence because you're going to be connected to them. And if they are so, I mean, I think right now I have at least five clients that exchange their children at the police station. That's how volatile it gets, right? But if you're not with kids, again, don't make the mistake and think, okay, we don't have kids. I'll just like end it that way. It's you've got to protect yourself. When is that money coming? What's the consequence if they don't, you know, give you the retirement? 
what if they, they you know, have hassles with taxes? What are we going to do? How are we settle it? But if you lay that stuff out, it stops the post-divorce abuse in the butt because they're not going to want right. to pay legal fees for both of them. Oh, excellent advice. Tracy, thank you so much for being my guest today. You have shared so much rich information that I know is going to help so many women in their divorce. You are truly amazing. Thank you so much. All of Tracy's information will be available along with mine in the show notes. You will find information about all of the, the social media links as well as her book. And you can find them also at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com on my podcast page or wherever you listen to podcasts for this episode. Thank you for being with Tracy and me on this episode of Her Empowered Divorce. I believe that moving from divorce overwhelm, grief, and pain can be used to springboard to a new life. And that by feeling better on the outside, you can ease the negativity on the inside. Likewise, doing work on the inside, like what Tracy talks about, helps you feel better and empowered all the way around. It worked for me and Tracy, and I know it can work for you. Has anyone told you today that you are beautiful? Well, if not, let me be the first. Join me for the next episode of this podcast, where I'll be diving deeper into what other expert professionals can do to help you on your separation and divorce journey. Remember, you can find more podcast episodes and information about my divorce and empowerment coaching at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Her Empowered Divorce podcast. I enjoyed spending this time with you. Remember, divorce doesn't have to be an awful experience. With the right knowledge, support, and guidance, it can be a time of growth and empowerment. A divorce and empowerment coach is a critical member of your divorce team. In fact, it should be the first call you make. I help you navigate the process and create a happier life post-divorce, also saving you time and money in the process. If you're interested in learning more, please request a free consultation at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out our other episodes and resources. Or you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and leave us a review. I really appreciate your support. And until next time, take care.